Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with us another Thursday evening where we are here talking the stuff of theology of the body. We are in our 11th week of our uh, 12-week study on theology of the body, so we are nearing the end here. And uh, as I always do each and every Thursday, I have Ivan Moore with me. So Ivan, it's great to have you with me another evening. Thank you, Joe. It's great to be back. So Ivan, tonight we are about modesty. You know, last week we talked about the potential of getting into the subject of of dating. Um, What we decided to do was take uh, the subject of dating and to integrate it into the final week as that final week, that 12th week for our study, um, was initially going to be summary. I thought um, talking about dating and courtship, uh, we would be well served uh, in, in, in our integration of a review of Theology of the Body with dating. So uh, we'll take that up next week. This week, this Thursday, we are about modesty, uh, something we need to return to. So what what we're going to do is we're going to get into love and responsibility, and we will do so uh, with the insights of Edward Sree's work, uh, Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love. He has a wonderful chapter on modesty, and we will primarily tonight draw from that, from his insights, and certainly you and I, Ivan, will and offer up some of our own reflections. So, modesty. This is a topic that I wanted to talk about, Ivan, because ultimately, it is a topic that I find myself in conversation with uh, different people a lot. The, the question that prevails is, does it really matter to the woman what she wears? You know, the skimpy dresses, the mini skirts, the tiny bikinis, uh, the low-rise pants, the low-cut shirts, all of this dress that has become mainstream attire for young women in today's post-sexual revolution world. You know, anyone Ivan, who might raise questions about the appropriateness of such dress is viewed as rigid or maybe out of uh, touch with today's modern style. Modesty is no longer a part of our culture's vocabulary, huh? Though most people sense they wouldn't want their own daughters dressing like a Madonna or a Britney Spears, few have the courage to bring up the topic of modesty, and even fewer would know what to say if they did. So here we are talking about it, and we just humbly submit to the grace of God and that the Holy Spirit would lead our discussion. All right, John Paul II, what does he have to say about this? He has a lot to say and offers much-needed wisdom on the nature of modesty and how dressing modestly is crucial for strengthening our relationships with the opposite sex. That is a good point, Joe. And you know what? There must be a lot of people out there who actually think that by dressing immodestly, that will actually get the people from the opposite sex to be more interested in them. They may think that, hey, if I can just look like that person from the magazine, or if I can just show a little more body, 
then I, I will be able to get the attention that I want. Which is true. Dressing modestly will get some people to look at you. But is that really the kind of attention that you want? You know, as we will see today, modestly is about inviting or inspiring other people to see that true dignity in ourselves. Modesty is more than just a dress code and a bunch of rules of what to wear and not to wear. But in reality, it is an interior virtue. It is the way that we act and the way that we carry ourselves, which portrays to others and inspire others to treat us with the true dignity that we have. As the Catechism says, modesty is decency. It's more than just the way we dress. It's the way that we interact with others. And in the words of Jason Everett, modesty is an invitation to others to love us, whereas immodesty is an invitation to lust, an invitation to use us. Remember, we teach others how to treat us, not just through the way that we dress, but also by the way that we act. There are certain things that we can say, do, or not do that will affect the way that other people treat us and see us. So what we should always ask ourselves is, is this thing that I'm about to wear, is this way that I'm carrying myself right now, illustrating my dignity? As you're talking, Ivan, one of the things that really jumps out at me is the reality that we are social beings. I love that word, invitation. Are we inviting people to look at us in a way that is impure? Or are we inviting people to look at us in a way that is pure? That invitation to love or invitation to lust. Uh, very important. That being said, Ivan, John Paul II begins his treatment on modesty with an explanation of a common human experience. And this, again, is from love and responsibility. And that human experience is shame. Shame involves a tendency to conceal something. Not just bad things, such as sins, weaknesses, and embarrassing moments, but also good things that we want to keep from coming out in the open. For example, someone who performs a good deed may prefer that his action go unnoticed. Maybe uh, Ivan, he feels embarrassed if he receives a public compliment. Not because he did something bad, but because he doesn't want to draw attention to his deed. Similarly, a student who receives high marks on an exam may feel embarrassed when a teacher praises her in front of the class because she wanted to share her good grades only with her closest friends and family. There are many good things that we wish to keep hidden from public eyes, and we feel shame if they are brought out into the open. This idea helps us understand one of the most powerful experiences of shame, sexual shame. I mean, why do human persons tend to conceal body parts associated with sexuality? <laughs> why do men and women instinctively cover themselves quickly if someone of the opposite sex accidentally walks in on them while they are changing their clothes? John Paul II explains that this tendency to conceal those parts of the body that make it male or female is itself not the essence of shame. Rather, John Paul II says in Love and Responsibility, it manifests a deeper tendency to conceal the sexual values themselves, particularly 
insofar as they constitute in the mind of a particular person a potential object of enjoyment for persons of the other sex. For example, a woman may instinctively sense that if certain parts of her body are exposed, a man might view her merely for her sexual values. As Ivan, we've talked about so much in the past few months, an object of pleasure. And those particular parts of her body reveal her sexual values so powerfully that indeed a man could be drawn primarily to those sexual values, and we can say, Ivan, not to her value as a person. That is why we tend to veil the sexual values connected with particular parts of the body, not because they are bad, but because they can overshadow the greater value of the person. As John Paul II puts it, sexual shame is a natural form of self-defense for the person. In other words, it helps prevent the person from being treated as an object of enjoyment. Thus, the concealing of sexual values through modesty of dress is meant to provide, Ivan, the arena in which something much more than a sensual reaction might take place. Modesty of dress helps protect interactions between the sexes from falling into this utilitarianism, this, this sense of using someone for our own uh, self-pleasure. So, as modesty of dress helps protect interactions between the sexes from falling into this utilitarianism, it creates the possibility for more authentic love to develop. And that is the kind of love that we want. We want authentic love. But there is things that we can say or do or not do or not say that can distract others from seeing that dignity that we have and therefore treat us with that true love that we want. I was just a while ago, about two months ago, I was going through my Facebook and I saw this person. It was a girl. She posted a picture of herself, and if I would have known who she is, I would have thought that she was a porn star, because the picture was very, very explicit. And so I wondered, should I say something to her about this picture? And I decided, yes, I should. But before I do that, I'm going to try to get to know her first. And so we talked for a few weeks, and I got to know her. And then when I thought it was the right time, I told her, hey, you know what, we have been talking for a while, and you know what, I... I have come to realize that you're such a wonderful person. There's so much beauty and goodness in you. But you know what? That picture, that picture that you have on your profile, I actually, as a man, I think that it prevents you from showing that goodness and beauty that you have in you. I think it distracts people from seeing it. And I don't know if this has been your experience, but I think that actually may attract the wrong kind of guy. The guys who will want to use you is that has that been to your experience and she immediately say oh yes those are all the guys there's a lot of guys who are always texting me and those are the kind of guys and i said you see but wouldn't you want a guy who will want to respect you who want to ask you out on a real date and want to take you seriously and she's like yes and i said well then there's a lot of pictures out there who may actually attract those kind of people and sooner or later uh, I, she didn't say anything. She just thought about it for a second and we said goodbye. But I look at her Facebook 
a few weeks later and I realized that she took it off. She, she erased that picture and posted a better picture that made it look such a wonderful person. So the whole point here is what we do, what we say or how we act changes the way that people treat us and the kind of people that we attract to ourselves. And like you said, Joe, it is our deepest desire to be authentically and truly loved. And if you want this kind of love, we should carry ourselves in ways that will attract people and invite them to love us. You know, Ivan, as we are offering up a vision of John Paul II on modesty with this emphasis on shame, one of the things that he was constant on was the importance of witnessing in our faith to the opposite sex that we might encourage them to be seen as they are created in the image and likeness of God. And as we talk about modesty and we develop a deeper sense of what this is about, I love that witness that, that you shared because ultimately it really does highlight what it's all about in that context of witnessing to this larger theme of theology of the body, that in the end, it is about how we enter into relationship with one another. And as it relates to the opposite sex, how we enter into relationship with the opposite sex as God desires us to. So Ivan, as it relates to this context of the betrothed love that we've talked about, that mature self-giving love of a husband and wife, there is no longer any reason for shame. True love makes certain that sentimental and sensual experiences, in the words of JP2, are imbued with affirmation of the value of the person to such an extent that it is impossible for the will to regard the other person as an object for use. Out from that, Ivan, each person has confidence in the other's selfless love. They each have trust that they won't be treated merely as an object for the other person's pleasure. Hence, their emotional and sensual enjoyment is grounded in full self-giving love and a profound sense of responsibility for the other person. This kind of trust can only be found fully in betrothed love. And only in a healthy, thriving marriage is shame absorbed by love in this way. That's why we want to dress modestly when we are with a member of the opposite sex to whom we are not married. Outside the context of betrothed love, that matured love, from husband to wife and wife to husband, Ivan, we must be careful with the unveiling of sexual values or else we will set ourselves up to be used by the opposite sex. This helps make sense out of why women should want to dress modestly, huh? Unfortunately, I think some of our discussions on modestly t today tend to be negative or maybe legalistic rules about a woman, about what a woman shouldn't wear and lessons about how immodest dress leads men into lustful thoughts. As a result, modesty is often seen merely as something that women are obliged to do for the sake of helping lustful men avoid their near occasion of sin. And Ivan, while one important benefit of modest dress is that it helps prevent men from falling into sin, this is not the whole story. 
John Paul II helps us to see that modesty is first and foremost something positive and very good for the woman herself. I think this is something that is lost. Modesty not only protects women from being treated as objects, it also inspires men to respond to them with a kind of authentic, selfless love that every woman longs for in her heart. I remember uh, it was probably two, three months ago now, Ivan, I had some young ladies in, in the studio here, and, and one of them made the point that when she dresses modesty, she actually used the word inspiration. It inspires men to respond to them with that more authentic expression of love, where you're just not looking at the body, you're looking into the eyes. You're seeing them for who they are as created in the image and likeness of God. And how important is that? It is very important. And you know what, what else is important? Remembering that the body is very good. When we read Genesis, it says, God saw everything that he made, including our bodies. And he said, it was all right. Is that what he said? No. He said, and it was very good. And so that includes our bodies. And so it's not like we somehow need to transcend the body and just see the person in the eyes. We can recognize, yes, that there is beauty in this person's body. And that's an opportunity for us to get on our knees and say, Lord, thank you for this amazing beauty. Now, please help me to see these people out of the way that you see them. Because especially, Joe, for us men, but for women also, we need God's grace whenever we are standing in front of people who are not dressing modestly. It can be hard sometimes to keep a heart, our hearts pure and chaste when we're surrounded by a community or by people who are dressing in ways that elicit lust. And so that is an opportunity for us to really ask Jesus Christ for a sacred vision, for sacred eyes. Lord, help me to have a sacred eyes to see the way that you see so that I can recognize that dignity and that beauty in these people. Amen to that, Ivan. Yeah, I mean, it's, this really brings us back to that first principle that we talked about in the opening weeks of our treatment of theology of the body. God looked at us and said, man is good, and we need to appreciate that that goodness is stamped into our very anthropology, into our very sexuality. A very important point, Ivan. So, Ivan, as we advance our reflection and teaching uh, this evening on John Paul II's vision of uh, modesty, I think we are now prepared to explore the three aspects of sexual shame presented by John Paul II and consider how they relate to modesty. We have already touched on the first aspect, that shame tends to conceal sexual values so they don't produce merely a sexual reaction in another person. A woman should want to avoid dressing in a way that deliberately draws attention to her sexual values to such an extent that it obscures her value as a person. Nevertheless, some women may object. If a man struggles with lustful thoughts, that's his problem, not mine, right? (laughs) Why do I need to dress modestly? But this objection misses John Paul II's point. Remember, the purpose of modesty It's not merely to help prevent men from stumbling into pure impure thoughts. Modesty of dress is primarily meant to protect the woman herself. That being said, 
The second aspect of sexual shame is its tendency to conceal our own uh, utilitarian reactions to the opposite sex when we treat them as objects for our enjoyment, huh? We realize that a human person is not an object for use, and we feel ashamed if we treat people that way in our glances, in our thoughts, in our imagination. Deep down, a man senses, I must not touch her, not even with a deeply hidden wish to enjoy her, for she cannot be an object for use. Consider what often happens when a man is staring at a woman lustfully and she notices it. As soon as he is caught, he quickly turns his eyes away because he feels ashamed of what he is doing. He does not want his utilitarian attitude towards her to be exposed. Deep down, he knows he shouldn't treat a woman that way and that the woman feels uncomfortable with his looks. So he immediately looks away. As noted by Edward Sree, this is what makes a man who shamelessly stares down a woman so pathetic. I mean, at least the lustful man who turns his eyes away has some sense of shame in what he's doing. Now, the third and most important aspect of sexual shame is what I already noted. And it has that connection with love, that it inspires love. You used the phrase earlier as well, Ivan, uh, this, this word of inspiration or inspiring. Ultimately, modesty seeks to inspire love, true love for the person. Not just a sexual reaction to a woman's body. Deep in a woman's heart is a longing to inspire and experience love. Thus, a woman should dress in a way that inspires love for her as a person. Dressing immodestly hinders the possibilities for true love to develop. It draws attention to her sexual values to such an extent that it can overshadow her value as a human person. A woman who dresses provocatively may indeed gain attention from men. However, she must ask whether this is really the kind of attention she wants to receive. Immodest dress might attract men to lust after her body as an object of enjoyment, but what it doesn't inspire is men to love her as a person. Often, Ivan, this is a reflection of a much deeper wound, a much deeper hurt, okay? Um, And this is what we have to be mindful of when we talk about this. And I don't want to be insensitive in any way, shape, or form, but call our attention to this very valuable point, which is certainly highlighted um, in, in Edward Sree's book here. Modesty of dress in the end is about so much more than helping men avoid falling into sin. It is not a, a defensive reflex, protecting women from being used. As John Paul II says in Love and Responsibility, sexual modesty is not a flight from love, but on the contrary, the opening of a way towards it. The spontaneous need to conceal mere sexual values bound up with the person is the natural way to discovery of the value of the person as such. And that is the dignity that we want others to see in us. Imagine what the world would be like if we all saw that in each other. Imagine what the world would be like if women, as well as men, were able to walk on the streets and not have to worry about others lusting after them 
or seeing them in inappropriate ways. How amazing that would be. And that is exactly what God intended it to be like when we were pure before original sin, as we had discussed in previous programs. But because we're not in heaven and we're still on this earth, we will continue to experience lust. And so therefore we need to protect ourselves and our bodies from this lust. But we cover our bodies not because they're bad or because they're something to be ashamed of, but precisely because they are so good. We need to protect them from those who will not see them in that way, who will not recognize that true dignity in us. This is why we dress and act modestly. Well said, Ivan, as I'm looking up at the clock and we have uh, maybe four or five minutes. Ivan, I think we would be well served to conclude with a few practical application points. Huh? You know, many uh, young women who become convinced about the importance of modesty face very practical issues when they turn to their wardrobes. You know, should I wear this dress? Should I wear that dress? Uh, how do I know if this piece of clothing is truly uh, modest or not? Um, I think one piece, and this is something that Edward Sree offers up and I think to be of great value, is for a woman to ask a trustworthy, virtuous uh, man or maybe some older female friends what they think. Maybe ask them uh, for their thoughts about modesty and for feedback on particular clothing items. Another point to be had here, I know I've been made aware of this recently. You know, my wife shops at Divine Modesty. You you can go to their online uh, shopping website. Divine Modesty is a place where you can uh, go and and buy modest clothes from from skirts to dresses to, to bathing suits to blouses, to all the above. I mean, go to Divine Modesty. I mean, I think that might uh, encourage uh, you women out there, <laughs> if you are asking about what's modest and, and what's not modest, huh, to get a barometer of, of what you should be thinking about. You know, lastly, John Paul II says, you know, a woman in our society needs to be bold when it comes to modesty. Now, John Paul II is not saying women must dress like they're from the Victorian age, <laughs> But he does want them to be careful. I mean, dress can accentuate sexual values in certain circumstances, right? So we must be very careful not to wear clothing that draws too much attention to the sexual values and ends up obscuring the value of the person. I mean, that's a good question to ask yourself if you're still wondering whether or not something is modest or not. In conclusion... You know, for John Paul II's part from love and responsibility, he reminds us that what we wear does make a difference in our relationships with the opposite sex. While much more could be said about the many specifics regarding what constitutes modest or immodest dress, John Paul II provides fundamentally principles on modesty that we can apply to various situations. And certainly, if you want more insight on this, you can go to John Paul II's Love and Responsibility. Uh, this evening, I was drawing from Edward Sree's uh, Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love alongside of Love and Responsibility. You've heard me quote Christopher West. There are other great works out there that I would highly recommend. I know there is another uh, Wendy Shalit's book, uh, A Return to Modesty. If you are looking for uh, more theological reflections and practical insights, I would highly recommend her work, A Return uh, to Modesty. So uh, with that, um, Ivan, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. Sure. And so let us 
pray to Jesus Christ this week to help us act and speak and dress in ways that will illustrate to others the best us, the full person, and not just our body parts, but everything of us as people created in the image and likeness of God. All right, very good, Ivan. Thank you so much for another great evening on Theology of the Body. Let's close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.